Hi, I'm Michael Radigan with my co-host Kat Silverman. Uh, this is Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. Uh, you can follow me at Mikey Rads on Twitter. You can follow Kat. <coughs> excuse me. You can follow Kat at Kat M Silverman. You can follow the podcast Twitter at Three Cheers for Goal One. That's the number three, the number one. You can follow our producer Maxwell Spar. At Maxwell Spart, um, Kat, I guess we're just going to jump into the biggest news story of today, really, which is Wednesday. This may come out tomorrow. This may come out Friday. Who knows whenever Max can <clears throat> do uh, his job, which he always does. Getting these episodes out. Max. <laughs> he always we does a great job. Max. We yeah, love he you. Does a, he does an awesome job of getting this out. Um, but I'm just saying the big, big news story for today is – the Tim Peel incident, and I guess for if you don't know, if you haven't been on Twitter, uh, last night during the National Predators uh, Detroit Red Wings game, they were cutting to commercial, and it, it must have been right after the uh, the, re- the ref Tim Peel gave a penalty for Nashville, and he was skating over to give an explanation to the national bench and I guess he had a hot mic <laughs> um, and he said, quote, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking, he's, this is quote, to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early, early in the, and then the mic cut out. So he must have been early in the period or whatever. So he was saying he was basically giving him a makeup call, which, you know, is something that you kind of knew always happened in hockey that there's, makeup calls are a thing and they existed just it was never really ever admitted um subsequently he was basically he was retiring at the end of the year and then he was fired today basically more or less the nhl's like he's not refing well, for the rest of the year not fired and that's a super important distinction i feel like based on like the crying i've seen on twitter today uh He's not, like you said, he's not refing for the rest of the season. Right. Tim Peel was slated to retire this year. His, sure, his yeah. plan was to retire at the end of the year. He's basically being put on on paid leave That's until he retires. Like and so he's going to yeah. keep his full pay for the year. He's getting his pension, which is huge. Like, I think that's a huge distinction. He's not, like, losing all of that. But, sure. yeah, he's. He's been banished, I guess. Is he's Do been you, so, yeah, he's been banished more or less. Um, he's always, like, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I guess players seem to like him. I don't know what the general distinction <laughs> is. I don't know. Can I give you Can I give you a quote, though, a really good quote from Matt Duchesne? It's a little long, though. And I of think course. he has a really, he was on a radio station today, uh, called into a radio station or whatever, doing his weekly spot in Nashville. Uh, his quote was, he he's a veteran ref. It, it's his last year anyway, so I think that's maybe why they let him go rather than maybe suspending him or fining him. The crazy thing is he was talking to Philippe Forsberg in that clip, and he told our bench that, the National Predators. Really bizarre. I just I just think that can't happen. And then he goes on to say, imagine the scenario where they score on the power play. We lose the game and we miss the playoffs by a point. Imagine that scenario. That could happen. That is not out of the realm of possibility. I don't know. I don't think there's a place in hockey for that. You got to call the game. I've always been frustrated when I see even up calls or something like that. If one team is earning power plays, you can't punish them because the other team is not. 
that call was not a good call on RV. We are we were watching. And we we're like, what the heck was that? That wasn't even close to a penalty. It was bizarre. I hope that's not something that goes on with most officials. But there's definitely nights when you're skeptical of it for sure. I think that hits the nail on the head. What do you think? Um, I think that's that's super important. You know, you look at this this even up calls, right? Um, and I think to an extent, uh, it depends on the type of even up call. I don't technically agree with any of them. Um. But officials are humans. I always think about, uh, oh, I forget when it was written, but uh, there was there was an article written by a former official way back in the day where he talked about missing a pivotal call during a Toronto Maple Leafs game back during the original six era. And right. going back and looking at it, like Leafs fans hated him for years over it. And he said, I looked back and I missed that call. Uh, and I just, you know, I was trying to keep my eye on the right part of the oh, play the and Gretz- I somehow missed the it. Gretzky, that was the Gretzky high stick, I think, right? Um, uh, when he was on the, was this, was this like years ago or? This was years and years and years ago. Yeah, that, um, that has to be the Gretzky high stick on, uh, I forgot which player, but it was when Gretzky was on the Kings or something. It, yeah, it was on the Kings and then, it, or I think, I think it was the Gretzky high stick and the ref missed it and it was a terrible call. Missed call. Right? Is that what you're referring to? I'm trying to I'm trying to find it. Um, because there was a Carrie Fraser. That's it. Uh, yes, Carrie Fraser. He's an amazing writer, by the way. I think he's yes, great. Uh, yeah, he, he, he wrote a piece about. Let's see. Um, it was the Gretzky high stick. Carrie Fra- Carrie Fraser didn't call it. And you're right. He he actually I believe he wrote a very excellent book too, if I recall. Yeah, he did. Um, and he he talked about it. He was like, you know, I. I miss that call. And so refs are humans. And I know sure. that sometimes those quote unquote makeup calls are where they try and almost even it up where they say, oh, I missed this call against the team. I'm going to make a different one that maybe would be kind of borderline, but I missed a, an egregious one. So I'm still giving the momentum to the team that that deserves it. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I get it. Uh, but this idea that they try and keep the game more balanced, uh, that's that that's bullshit. Pardon my French, but like there are teams that play more disciplined and there are teams that get sloppy. Look at look at the Buffalo Sabres. They have no discipline right now. Uh, I'm making fun of them because we're going to probably talk about them in a, a little bit later in, in the episode. But they don't play a controlled game. And when you're not playing a controlled game, you get frustrated you take penalties, uh, and that's something that you you get punished for. And if the other team's not getting goaded by you, yeah, I don't think that for the sake of a a two two score instead of a six zero score, like I don't think that's that's not up to the refs. Like that's that's nonsense. And so I I don't agree with that. I think it's now it's whether or not the league and I know Matt Duchesne said you know we don't know if every official does it I think there are some that don't do it as much as others do um yeah. I think that Tim Peel was one of the worst offenders um but I do think that most of them do it to some degree and it's a very poorly kept secret that the league kind of encourages it um you hear announcers say that's a makeup call all the time guys calling the yeah. game are like oh that's a makeup call yeah but that's I, my yeah. my view on that is and, and you may disagree, uh, but I I think that, you know, we hear it from the announcers. Oh, that looks like a makeup call. But the key word is that looks like, you know, the, sure, the announcers sure. are not the ones who are making the call. And while I do think that the league needs to probably address 
the fact that these makeup calls happen and the the officials try and keep the game quote unquote balanced or they try and you know they overlook certain certain penalties uh like I'm not I'm not an Oilers fan never have been I didn't grow up cheering for Edmonton but the way they've overlooked penalties against Connor McDavid this year is atrocious it's like they say oh if if a grinder is able to catch up to Connor McDavid and bash him, well, that, that evens things up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's so much faster and more skilled than them. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to notice unless they take their stick and crack it over his head. They've done the same thing to Connor Garland this year. There was a, I know that there was a, a point earlier this year where Connor Garland had skated past John Gibson. We don't know what he said to him. I'm sure it was funny. <laughs> um, John Gibson just like lost his head and tackled him. And you like, Breaking it down frame by frame, Connor Garland skates by. You see him look at Gibson. You see him turn away. And then John Gibson, you like see, you can even see it in his eyes. He like morphs into this like Hulk swamp creature, skates down Garland and tackles him. And they gave two minutes to John Gibson. And then they gave two minutes to Connor Garland. And that's, to me, that's nonsense. And right. right. What did, what did Connor it, Garland get? Unsportsmanlike or? I think they, they called him for embellishment, which John Gibson's bigger than he is. He's heavier than he is. And he well, wasn't yeah, really could, expecting the goalie to tackle him. From behind. So, yeah. he, he like he came yeah. from behind. So, yeah. yeah, you mentioned that. And my my bias is the same thing happens to, and I'm like I said, I'm biased saying this, but the same thing happens to Matt Barzell. He gets, you know, he'll get a nice cross check to the back or whatever, or a hook. Cause oh, he's and they right. just let it happen. Yeah. 100%. It, it, it and he's very fast, but he's got a bit of a, and I, he's one of, he's one of my favorite players in the league, but he's got a bit of a hot head and he always, he'll get the retali- retaliatory penalty, right? Like it always seems like the refs call those more than the original penalty, but I digress back to the, um, this. So yeah, it, it is kind of the worst kept secret in hockey. And it, it needs to be addressed. It, 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 it so- does. But I do I do want to say I do want to say I feel like this is not as big of a problem in international play and, uh, and in college. In college, you will see teams uh, sort of division one games. You'll see teams that go get eight or nine power plays uh, to, you know, another team's two or three. And that's not. And when I, you know, when I watching, I would get frustrated, be like, well, why? Why did this team get nine power? Play? Well, because they're college kids and they're some of them are fucking undisciplined and taking dumb penalties. And that's that it's, I, I do think, I do think that in collegiate hockey and I've, I've seen it happen to a couple teams where I, I know some of the, the staffers for the team. Um, If a team complains about a call against an official in college hockey, I've watched the official then swallow their whistle and they say, Oh, you don't like how I called that one. Well, I guess you think I'm doing too much. Sorry. And they just stop calling. Like they, they almost play it playoff hockey style. And, and that's, but that's like a different thing entirely from. Yeah. So that's not, that's completely different from making it. Okay. That's, that's fair. Um, so uh, do you think the league has to do more to address this? Cause it doesn't just seem like it's just like Tim Tim Peel. I don't think, that means that they shouldn't have punished Tim Peel. No, that's and I've fine. I've seen a got... lot of people complaining about no, that. No, listen, it sucks. Uh, I ho- like 
I think Rod Brendamore said, like, I hope he's rem- like, it's unfortunate. I hope he's remembered as a good, he's very Switzerland on it. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's totally fine. And I feel the same way. Like, yeah, it, it that was I'm not, he's going to probably be remembered for this, but, uh, I, yeah, like Matt Duchesne said, like, what the, f- it's so bizarre that he came up to the bench and he's like, I, he was the, against the team he was calling a penalty and he's like i i wanted to call a penalty against your team early in the period and it's like what the fuck like <laughs> that's that it, it it is really bizarre and he got caught with the hot mic and uh, like you said he keeps his benefits is getting paid he's just not gonna ref more games his career is ending two months early or whatever uh but do you think the league will do more no. to uh, address this like uh, some kind of workshops or something like that and or you know being like listen call the the game by the book and you obviously you see yeah. officiating change <laughs> so much in uh in playoff hockey right where the only especially in overtime or late in the game the only penalties you're gonna see are when uh the guy takes a delay of, delay of game penalty right that's the only penalty you're gonna see late in a third period of a tied uh, playoff hockey game or overtime of a play, tied playoff hockey game. It's like I I don't so first off I don't think they're gonna do shit about it. Sure. Um because the fact that they the statement they made made it sound a little bit like they were punishing Tim Peel for this being a one off which it's not. <laughs> right. They made it sound like oh we don't believe in uh in game policing like that. We don't believe in game management. Uh, the fact that one of our officials claims that he does that, that's not allowed. He's never going to work in another game. And it's, it's not a him thing. It's a systemic issue. But, but that being said, it's, it's Tim Peel. This is like, this is his third strike. Yeah. He's been suspended. He's been suspended for before. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember what the middle incident was, but I do remember, uh, when he spoke with Greg Wyshynski and, they they chatted and then they went to a bar and they had some shots together and they they took a selfie together and as an impartial official you can't do that like you can't take pictures yeah Yeah, even if it happens like i i'll be the first to admit there are members of coaching staffs scouting staffs management players they hang out with teams other teams, they hang out with other coaches, they hang out with media members. It's that's that's not something that doesn't happen, but that would be like if I decided to go and take a picture of me out doing shots with Lawson Krauss. Like you you can't claim to be an impartial actor in the NHL and do that. And so he got in trouble for it and he was he was yelled at for being stupid and then he did something else. And I don't remember what happened the last time, but so this is like the third time. And it, it almost to me was like speeding. Yeah. People say, or drunk driving, let's, let's equate it to drunk driving. So drunk driving is an issue. It's something that happens more often than it should. It's not like it's a one-off when somebody does it. Um, if you're caught on new year's Eve drunk driving, it's not like you're the only person on the road who's doing it. Um, but if you're the one who's stupid enough to blow past a cop weaving between four different lanes and singing out the car window at the top of your lungs with a bottle of Jack in your hand, like uh, you're, you're the one who's going to get in trouble because you're the one who's stupid enough to be blatant about it. And Tim Peel was stupid enough 
to explicitly say it during a game when, and I know somebody was arguing on Twitter, she said, you know, there are people who get caught on hot mics all the time saying silly things. And I, I don't have a ton of sympathy because like if I'm at an NHL game and I'm walking past any of the broadcast booths, I know that there are microphones everywhere and there are yeah. ears everywhere. I can walk down the hall up in the press box and there's a chance that Ron Hextall is going to pass me. There's a chance that a team's goalie coach is going to pass me. There's a chance that the head of media is going to pass me. And so if I'm walking past and I say, oh, you know, I went out drinking with so-and-so last night. Well, that's, that's on me. You know, that's me being stupid. Um, and Tim Peel was stupid. He was walking around. There was very clearly, there were microphones everywhere. It was during a game. It's not like he said it at home and somebody ratted him out. He said it during a game. Like, that's stupid. And so he absolutely deserved to get in trouble for it. And the league acting like he's the only one. I think they're probably not going to change anything, unfortunately. But uh, I think that if they had done nothing or if they had pretended like he wasn't going to get in trouble for it because, oh, this is he said something silly, but we we don't believe that he actually meant it. You know, if they'd done something like that, I think that would have been the wrong call too. Uh, the fewer yeah. Tim Peel calls being made in the NHL, I feel like the the better off we all are. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes. That's my final my final thought. And I mean, do you do you agree? Uh, yeah, I uh, I agree with all that. It, like, first of all, if you get a mic on you, like, come on, <laughs> like I would. I you I have to know better. Yeah, and I'm not. <laughs> And listen, this is a guy that's probably had a mic on him for years and years now. So, like, dude, you definitely know better for that first and foremost. And it's honestly, it's it's a really bad look for the NHL. And like you said, they're probably not going to do anything, but it still is not a good look. They're getting flamed uh, on Twitter and things like that. And I, like deservedly so, I think. I mean, it's it's so often feels like the NHL just always can't get out of its own way. Uh, and, and things like that. I've, it's it's like way different in different leagues. Like the NBA, I think you get more of an explanation why certain things were called. And I, I know the refs, I th- believe have to answer the reporters sometimes and things like that. And the NBA, it's just, that's it's, a big thing that the NHL is missing. Well, yeah, they don't, they, they, and I understand wanting to protect like, protect the refs and I understand like they have a hard job and like you said like they are human and there is human error in this game totally understand that but the the makeup call thing is just like come on uh yeah so that's I I agree with what you're saying I agree with Matt Duchesne says I agree that Tim Peel should have gotten the axe but he really didn't get the axe he's still keeping his benefits and things like that but I, I hope I'm not holding my breath, but I hope the league does more to uh, to address the issue of makeup calls. I wonder if we're not going to see something about it during the next collective bargaining agreement. Well, that's not going to be for what another five years. Didn't they? They just agreed to one kind of recently, right? Like last year. Yeah, they they agreed to to extend what's going on right. Now I don't remember what the what the time frame is, but I I feel like ultimately as long as Colin Campbell's in charge, nobody's going to be happy because he's he's gotten himself into some hot water in the past for 
yep. arguing for the sanctity of the game in one direction, then turning a blind eye in another. And there was some, some impartiality there with the fact that his son played for a team while he was supposed to be in charge of an impartial body. He had his email and, leaked, right, where he said, I don't think he, he said, like, it was Mark Savard's fault he got hurt or something like that. Mark Savard's yeah, career tragically ended because of concussions and like he was a hell of a player and like he just cheap shots and it basically said it was his fault like yeah i don't know why they still have this guy running uh he's basically running the league more or less right when you think about it i yeah i would i would argue that's correct <laughs> um yeah i don't know why it's the same old story with the nhl right um but moving on i guess let's dive into the just what's going around the, the league we're kind of we're what most teams have played 30 plus games, 30 or more games, some a little less because of uh, cancellations because of COVID, but we're kind of in that slog of the middle of the season. How many, how many games are there going to be 60 something? 56. 50, 56. So we're in the a little, little over halfway through. Yeah, yeah. We're halfway through a little bit of the slog getting to the home stretch. Um, we have, it's the Canadian division is, chaotic as we expected uh the buffalo sabers have lost 100 games in a row which uh man like yeah you you brought up the sabers i guess let's dive into this let's dive into the sabers we have to like just quickly yeah because i they're so depressing um they have lost they have they have 20 losses right now um they're uh, current technically they have 24 losses 24 losses yeah Four you have. have been an ot <laughs> Um, they had, they had a bad COVID outbreak where they were on hiatus for a couple weeks and then, uh, they came back and they just couldn't never see seem to get it together. But I think there's more at play here besides just the COVID layoff that happened a couple months ago, um, or a month ago or however long, probably a couple months at this point. Um, I think there's more at play. I, I don't, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, but they signed Taylor Hall in the off season uh they got which stall brother did they get was it eric stall eric yeah they got eric stall who's still a good player uh they have jack eichel they have sam reinhardt uh the defense and goaltending was always going to be a problem but you think okay maybe they they jeff could... skinner they still have jeff skinner jeff skinner who we is... thought that was a great pickup it seemed like a great pickup for a brief period of time it seemed right? like a great pickup but the contract when he got that nine million per year i i don't know how many years it is in six or seven but it's nine million per year i think people are like oh that's that's a little risky because he's always been a he's a, I like Jeff Skinner. I actually think he's a really good player, but he's always been kind of a streaky scorer, right? He 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 does have a 40 goal season under his belt a couple of years ago, but man, what does he have? Two or three points, uh, two or three goals, uh, right? For a while there, he had so he has three goals now in 27 games. Um, three goals. Do you know who also has three goals this year? Who? Take, take a take a wild guess. Which Arizona Coyotes player? Currently has three goals. Um, Jason Demers. Oh, I'm sorry. He only has uh, Lawson Krause. Currently has he has more points. Lawson Krause has more points than Jeff Skinner, which is alarming. How many uh, how many points does Johan many... Larson has more goals right now? Johan Larson, who was picked up from the Sabers by the Coyotes in the offseason, he was signed as a free agent, fourth line center, right? He's yeah. their new Boyd Gordon. Like he's that 
defensive-minded face-off specialist in theory. Coyotes can't ever win face-offs. Like, very good stay-at-home forward is the best way to describe him. Like, he's defensively responsible, not really a huge scorer. He has four goals. Um, Jeff Skinner has three. Tyler Pitlick has six goals. So he has twice as many goals. Um, that's concerning. Uh, Derek Broussard has seven. Like, yeah, all, I these, mean, all these depth guys that were picked up by the Coyotes in the offseason is their like new bottom six. And then Jeff, we've got then we got Jeff Skinner's rocking three goals, which unfortunately is when when you look at the Sabres this year, if I remember correctly, yeah, Taylor Hall has two. Um, Eric Stahl has three. Jack Eichel has two. Their current goal leader, which first off, let me say good for him because I really wanted him to succeed and it's nice seeing him do so. But Sam Reinhart has 11 yeah. goals. Good for him. I'm happy. I'm extremely happy for him. But like Curtis Lazar has more goals than Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall. He has as many goals as the two of them combined. Like I, what is, what's happening there? I'm going to, I'm about to, uh, are you ready for this? So Jeff Skinner has four total points, three goals and assists, right? Matt Martin has five goals. <laughs> Matt Martin, who I love him. Uh, he's he's like he's Mr. Islander basically. Just a very, you know, Islander fans love him. Uh, five goals, four assists, nine points. So he has more goals. He has than more Taylor goals Hall. than yeah. Taylor Hall and Jeff Skinner and Jack Eichel. Granted, he Jack has Eichel. more goals than Jeff Skinner has points. Yes. Wow. Um, uh, and Jack Eichel's but, hurt now, right? So, I mean, I think he just – I'm not saying he's what faking team. faking an injury, but he. I'm sure he's glad not to be playing, right? Do you know who their starting goalie is tonight? I think this sums them up. So they just traded away uh, Johan, uh, Jonas Johansson, who yes. – was described as being the worst goaltender uh, one of their writers had ever seen don a Sabres uniform, which I would disagree. I've seen some really shitty goaltending in Buffalo, um, but, you know, um, not great. Uh, they are starting Dustin Tokarski tonight, who I thought had retired. Yeah. I thought he was done playing hockey. How many games did I never? Yeah. He... he faced 20 shots in the first period. They're losing, by the way, to our listeners, to the Pittsburgh Penguins, two to one. Um, Jesus Christ. So, I mean, this would take more than the episode we would want to record, but I, like, you got to trade Taylor Hall, right? Like, that's first and foremost. He's a. How do you though? Well, okay. Here's the thing, Taylor, Taylor Hall. Like, you obviously you watched him probably a lot more than I did last year when he, he was with the Coyotes. Um, he's only, how many, he's a couple years, uh, removed from a heart trophy. Uh, hang on. I'm trying to look up his stats. I know he only has two goals, but I want to see how many assists he has. So, okay. So he is, he has two goals, but he has 14 assists. He has 16 points in 30 games. So he's average, you know, his point per game is half a point per game. Not great. That's not good by his standards, but. 
would you try to you would try to you would try to trade him because he's a free agent he's making eight mil you get that off your books uh but what what would he return is the question so that's that's the problem is i think when i say like how do you trade him i don't necessarily think that it's teams not being willing to take a risk during a regular season but when we look at the cap situation this year uh, it was a flat cap and teams are i mean teams don't have the salary space for anyone and so in order to bring him in that's that's the issue i think in order to bring him in you have to trade away salary right you have to give away someone who takes up a cap hit for you sure and he's not He's making- not performing this year. And he didn't perform over the back half with the Coyotes last year. He did all right to start, but then he started to peter out, uh, whether it was him not meshing with Phil Kessel correctly, whether it was him not having the energy left. Like, I don't know what happened, but he, he very much, he performed well for a professional hockey player. He did not perform well for a trade acquisition when you were sitting in first. Like the Coyotes were towards the top of their division. He came on board. It made perfect sense to bring him on board. And he did okay. He had 27 points in 35 games. That's That's nearly a point per game. But he had a couple multi-point games. And then he had big stretches where he was invisible. And watching that, watching how the Devils had struggled with him for a little bit there, and now watching what's happening in Buffalo, I don't know that there's a team that would willingly take him on while shedding the kind of salary needed, which you would assume would come in a player who performs in some capacity. Okay. So, who's not performing anymore has been banished to Robida Island. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> you bring that up, who has the cap space? And it's funny you say that because... The New York Islanders, lot, uh, Anders Lee, their captain, their top line forward, plays with Matt Barzell, blew his knee out uh, a couple weeks ago, last week, I think, or maybe a couple weeks ago. He has gone on long-term injured reserve. That frees up, he makes $7 million a year. He, that frees up $7 million in cap space right now for the Islanders. Taylor Hall makes uh, about $8 mil, So you can do a little finagling where you, you waive someone or whatever. You can bury a contract to the minors to free up a million. Or attach, you know, an extra draft pick when you trade for him. So, will with the Islanders have seven million in new cap space now? And the debate is, do you, if you're Lou Lamorello, do you trade for Taylor Hall? I think there's, like you mentioned, there's pros and cons. The pros is he would be playing with Jordan Eberle, where he he has had success with Jordan Eberle. Uh, you know, Barzell, Hall, and Eberle on a line that that, that I don't think that would be a bad first line. You need to replace. You know, the production uh, that you lose with Anders Lee being injured. Uh, and, you know, his buddy is Everly. I, there's there's chemistry they had together in Edmonton. You know, uh, and it won't cost a ton. So, and if anyone can get a player, you know, to, like, to, I, not necessarily fix a player, but get a player to really buy in, it's probably Barry Trotz guys love playing for him uh so those are all pros and you know that's why i'd be willing to maybe do it because it won't cost a ton and you know you could strike gold there but like you've mentioned you know arizona he was kind of streaky uh the devils it seems you know he had that great year where he won the heart but you know 
he was hurt sometimes. That's not necessarily his fault, but still. And then it seems like his Oilers career where, again, he was very good, but it seemed for whatever reason they were ready to get rid of him and for uh, Adam Larson, which at the time was not a good trade for Edmonton. I, but I digress. Um, so he's he's bopped around the league more or less. Is that his fault or is that just it just hasn't worked out there? Can it work out if he comes to the Islanders and play with Barry Trotz? It's very interesting because they do have the cap space to go and get him now that Lee is hurt. I don't know if they should do it. I, I wouldn't be against it, but I, I guess it depends on the cost. That's my little note, side note on Taylor Hall. I think that's fair. I think uh, I think the Islanders are. I mean, that's that's an intriguing team. Um, just because I I don't know if they'd be willing to give up picks for it, especially because Taylor Hall is a free agent at the end of the year, and like, knowing know. that knowing that it's a trade deadline acquisition, uh, like that's that's the kind of player that to me, like when the Coyotes brought him on. They knew he was going to be a free agent at the end. They were hoping that he would, you know, help them to the playoffs, help them in the playoffs, and then they'd have a chance to try and get him to sign. Yeah. And if you're that the w- Islanders, I don't think you necessarily want to re-sign him. No, in the they're offseason. not going there. Th- that won't even be an option, to be honest, because Anders Lee will be coming back. You'll have another seven mil on right. the books. And then you still have your, you know, you still have to re-sign. Uh, you have a bunch of guys that are going to be RFAs that you need to re-sign. So it would be sp- strictly a pure rental. So maybe instead of a first, you would, they have a couple seconds they got in the Devon Taves trade that you, uh, that maybe you'd give one of those. So I don't know. It's it's definitely possible. I I'm trying to think. Are there any other teams that like have a lot of cap, a playoff team that have a ton of cap space? Like, could he go back to the Oilers? So uh, I looked it up recently, and I yeah. was looking at the uh, the teams that have cap space, and the answer was like almost none. Um, it's it's let me chaos. See if once we added, so it's interesting because when you look at the. Uh, when you look at projected cap space right now, um, let me see. Let me do it by current cap space. Okay. Huh. <laughs> um, so this is funny. So the team that currently has the least cap space is the Washington Capitals, sure. which to me is a little concerning because I, I don't really see them as being like they're, they're second in the East. Um, they're just two points behind the Islanders. Um, I think they've done pretty well this year, um, but I don't necessarily think that they look like a team who only has $10 in cap space. Um, <laughs> with that being said, uh, they're still in better shape than the Vancouver Canucks currently have 46,000 in cap space including Oof. LTIR like that's yeah they're not making that's the another, that's another episode entirely um, yeah we've had episodes on them <laughs> yes it's interesting because the LA Kings are currently the team that has the most cap space um because they currently have 24 million in cap space um that's interesting their projected cap space is only 9.8 million they have room for him I don't know if he's a great fit there. I mean, it's, let's say because what they're in, I think they're behind the Coyotes right now. I, the, I think they're they're sort of waffling right around the Coyotes. Yeah, they're sitting so they're sitting in sixth, and that's so they have 13 wins. Um, 
technically the top four teams right now are Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. Um, Vegas uh, has 22 wins. Colorado has 20. And this is just looking at regulation, right? And all, yeah. Or, yeah, this is looking at all wins. Uh, Minnesota has 20, like Colorado. Um, St. Louis has 16. So that's a pretty steep drop off there. Right. The Coyotes have 14. Um, and then LA has 13. So in okay. order to get up to fourth, they would need to jump by three wins there, which is technically possible. Um, it's possible you have a lot of head-to-heads too, probably. But still. yeah, there's, and I mean, it's it's basically all head-to-heads at this point. That's um, true. Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> essentially, like you look at San Jose, they have no prayer. Anaheim is underrated as a terrible team this year because Buffalo has six wins. That's tragic. Uh, Anaheim only has nine. Yeah, they're <laughs> and trash. They've played in they've played in four more games than Buffalo. That's, uh, that's they've horrific. they've skated they've skated by uh, I think, but I think it's because they were expected to be bad. They really didn't make any off season. They're moves. horrific though. They're horrific. They are horrific. They they didn't uh, make. They didn't make any the same kind of offseason moves as Sabres when they're like, all right, the Sabres, we're going to, you know, we might be, we could really possibly be fifth or sixth, but it's like, nah, it's, you're not even, they're not even close. But yeah, we look at, we look at these teams that have cap space. Uh, The Kings have the most. In theory, that's a team that could do something with it. Um, I don't know if they will, because I don't know if they want to blow their future, because they very clearly need to be in rebuild mode. If they make the playoffs, it'll be a pleasant surprise. The Kings, yeah. They should just but stand pat. They, stand they need pat. to stay pat, yeah. Yeah, stand and pat. I mean, so, maybe if you can, who knows, if they fall out, maybe you can trade, you know, a Dustin Brown or a, uh, Drew Doughty or Kopitar, where those guys that are making a ton of money, and then, uh, you know, you free up even more cap space. But uh, that's... interesting teams, though. So I'm going to call the Islanders the cutoff. So the Islanders have 7.1 mil in cap space because of that LTIR. Yep. Um, right below them is like the Ducks, the Penguins, the Hurricanes. By the time you get to the Hurricanes, you only have 5.9 mil in cap space. And that's it's not enough with. Yeah, that's that's nowhere near enough. Um, but right above the Islanders, you have Vegas. They have 8 million in cap space, but they have a player on LTIR. Um, then there's Columbus. They have three players on LTIR, and they have 8.4 million. I don't necessarily think that's another team that could do it. Colorado Avalanche have 8.5 in cap space. They have two players on LTIR, and they need a goalie. So hopefully yeah. they don't do anything with that. The Sharks, we already talked. That's not a team that needs it. Uh, the Panthers have 8.8 mil in cap space. That's a team that they I like to fuck around. They like to fuck around with like yeah. bringing in players that don't fit the rest of the they have team. I think that'd wins. be perfect. They have twenty wins. They're 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 gonna. Which is they're, wild. Yeah, I did not expect them. I think I might have had them not making the playoffs. To be honest, we go back and look. Uh, yeah, they honestly they could get Taylor Hall and it'd be like, all right, that could that could potentially work. Uh, I mean, fun. that'd be uh, fun. It, it's another great coach who. I think guys like playing for, I mean, uh, what's his name? Joe Quenville. Like I, he's a really good coach. Uh, I think he can make it work, but yeah. Panthers who, who anyone else besides the Panthers? Well, so going up from there, uh, there's the Red Wings. Not going to do it. Devil's nope. not going to do it. Senator's not going to do it. Then 
the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's a fascinating one to me because the Blackhawks have six players on LTIR. They have like half their rosters on LTIR for various injuries that nobody knows or understands or believes. Um, They've obviously been missing Jonathan Tays all year. Nobody knows where he is. Uh, We're all hoping he's okay. Yeah, Um, that was really unfortunate. But that's a team that when I take a look at their team right now, so I don't think they are missing yeah. Jonathan Taze. They are missing Brent Seabrook, who is done. Right. Um, he retired. They're missing Andrew Shaw. They're missing Zach Smith, who I didn't realize was still on the team. Yeah. Um, they're missing Kirby Doc uh, and Alex Nylander, who, if I remember correctly, Alex Nylander is. Uh, had surgery maybe at the beginning of the year. He he got injured. Um and he was injured right before the start of the season. So I don't know if he'll be back, but he's he's a cheap name on the list. Uh Kirby's a cheap name on the list. Who cares about Zach Smith? Um so really it's just you have Jonathan Taze and I don't know what's up with Andrew Shaw. Um but technically that's a team that could do it. Um if I'm the Chicago Blackhawks and I have actual aspirations for being a playoff team this year, which I ultimately think, and I know people say, Oh, they don't let players dictate what they do this year. I think they leave it up to Patrick Kane. Um, If he wants to be a playoff team this year, they say, okay. You know, if he says, I would like to have some supporting cast brought on because I would like another chance to make it to the playoffs before I get banished to Robita Island. Uh, I think they'd say, okay, um, well, so that's a team this, could do it. It's so interesting you say that, because I'm just looking at the standings, right? Uh, Blackhawks currently sit in fourth place in the central final cutoff. They're not going to, they're, they're not going to catch the Panthers, Hurricanes, or Lightning. Lightning just look fucking stacked. Um, and that's without, uh, you know, the league's MVP or whatever. Um, but there's a clusterfuck right there. There's well, Chicago, yeah, Columbus, to- Nashville, and Dallas. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to count Dallas out. They had that COVID delay at the start of the season. They have so many games. They have four games in hand on the Predators, Jackets, and Blackhawks. But they are just not, they are not playing well, Dallas. They have four games in hand, right? But they are 29, 30, 31. So they're three points behind Nashville. In order to get to fourth, they would need to get seven more points in that eight game span, like they would need to gain yeah. at least, I, I guess they'd actually need to gain at least eight points because they'd need to jump over them. So they'd need to, in those four games, they'd need to go two and two. Which, and so if they, not, in theory, they could do that, I guess. Yeah, they definitely could. Uh, they got to start winning overtime games. They have eight overtime losses. Like, I don't know what's going on three versus three or shootouts or whatever. You got to get it together. Because uh, those are just extra points you're leaving on the table when you're chasing, you know, three other teams. Granted, you have games in hand, but like they have eight oh, OT losses. What's going on? You, uh, you know, <laughs> I, all three of those teams though, that are ahead of them are like seriously flawed teams. Like the Blackhawks yeah. are. I we could do whole episodes on why the Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, Predators are not really great teams. So I wouldn't count Dallas out yet. But right now the Blackhawks have that final playoff spot. So. Yeah, maybe you ask Patrick Kane what he wants to do. Uh, I don't. I 
the I don't know. I I I need to know what the schedule each team's schedule looks like too, to be honest, because you know if the Blue Jackets still have a bunch of games left against the Preds, Stars, and Red Wings, and it's like okay, I have a better feeling about them against you know the Blackhawks who may still have to play the Lightning, Hurricanes, and Panthers. You know what I mean? It's right. Which I guess it'll, talking about the schedule, I think it's fascinating that. So we thought that we were out of the woods, right? We thought that we'd finally gotten through. We had, what, 600 COVID delays? There and was a lull. There was a lull for a while. After Montreal's the... currently getting their games delayed. So I think we're not we're not finished with that yet, which is going to be really fascinating. But Montreal and Edmonton, yeah, they got their past two games delayed. That was the first delays in the Canadian division, who... Um, seem to have been obviously Canada has been has not had have had the same vaccine access as we have so that will be interesting like you said um, and the Bruins have I believe yep they they are actually their game against the Islanders got canceled on Tuesday so there have been a couple more delays popping up which sucks but hopefully you know we're getting into warmer months and people in the states are more people are getting vaccinated every day millions of people so hopefully we're we won't have to deal with more delays but yeah it could get really hairy <laughs> in uh april and may here that's going to be interesting with uh with boston getting more games delayed by the way because they're they're currently in fourth in the east um it's islanders capitals penguins bruins um currently the bruins have played 28 games yeah that's less than Dallas. Yeah, I didn't realize they had so many. They've already had COVID delays. You know why? It's because so right, COVID has hit their team a little bit. They have, I, I, but right now they only have two guys on the COVID list. So I think they're pretty much in. It sounds like they're in the clear. Uh, but knock on wood, they were supposed to play Buffalo a bunch. They still haven't played Buffalo one game yet. So they have, eight games <laughs> rem- they have eight games remaining against Buffalo. So, yeah, I don't know. That's going to be a whole situation. Um, so we've kind of sh- – we went from Buffalo. We've shifted to maybe where Taylor Hall would go. They've talked about trading Jack Eichel. I have no idea if that will happen. Do you – should we shift to the Canadian division? Um, Before – yeah, actually, this is the Canadian division that I'm looking at. So uh, for the Canadian division – I would like to give a moment of silence for one of our first podcast guests. He may have been our first podcast guest, uh, the lovely Sheldon Smith, uh, ultramarathon runner, all around nice guy, diehard fan of the Calgary Flames, um, elite Mike Smith hater, like super hater. Um, Calgary Flames, man, that's a team that I truly thought had taken a step forward this year. Um, I thought Cam Talbot, you know, he did really well for them last year once he managed to turn his his head around. Um, once he once he had shaken off Edmonton as a goaltender, um, I think he he ended up doing really well for them. Uh, but they have they have such a stacked roster, and they have guys like Johnny Gaudreau, they have Sean Monahan, they have Michael Backlund. Kachuk, yeah. Oh my God, Matthew Kachuk. Um, but they, and then they added Jacob Markstrom, who in theory should have been like that. Should have been a huge game changer for them. 
Yeah. And for whatever reason, the Calgary Flames cannot win a game to save their lives. They just got and swept by the Senators. Yeah. Yeah. That's my God. Um, when you get swept by the Senators, that's, um, I, I don't even know where to begin with that. Right. Like that's, that's tragic. Um, they fired their they, coach. They brought back uh, Daryl Sutter. Which I'll, I'll go on record on on our show, on air, so everybody can hear it. I'm low-key, and by low-key, I mean super high-key, extremely happy watching a Daryl Sutter-led team lose games. Oh, no. <laughs> Not a fan. Hate that guy. So yeah. it's partially personal. Uh, he was actually one of the first head coaches that I got a chance to ask a question to in a media scrum. And uh, was he not very I nice? was like, that's, that's like an underselling of it. So everybody talks about John Tortorella, right? He's, he's crabby, he's combative. He gives lots of like really snarky answers. Uh, but he's actually been one of the, one of the most pleasant experiences I've had. Uh, he gives a lot of quippy one-liners. Um, I, I think I asked, him a question in the first pool that I was that I had access to him tried to make it something that I didn't think would annoy him too much and when we finished he stepped over to the side and he said it was something about their goaltending and he said I'm not a I'm not a big goalie guy um but that was a really good question and since then every time I see him and I'm sure he doesn't remember me but if you're down at the lower level and you pass John Tortorella he says hi and he asks you how you're doing. Genuinely nice guy. A little combative, a little stupid at times, but genuinely nice guy. Daryl Sutter is not. <laughs> and I'm not the only person who's had an unpleasant experience with him. Uh, I know, so Kevin Gravel um, is a defender in the, I don't know if he's in the NHL this year. I think he might be on a taxi squad, but he was, I believe he was, yeah, he was a draft pick by the Kings in 2010. Um, fifth round draft pick, was playing collegiate hockey. So those guys, you know, if it's a late round draft pick, that's kind of a long shot. Um, they had a really stacked roster at the time that he finished playing college hockey. And they didn't really have room for him in their contracts. And so they had told him, because uh, they, they wrote a really cool story about it. They said, hey. We believe in you, um, but we just we don't have room. If you'd like to to be a part of our organization, we can offer you an AHL deal. Uh, let you play with our AHL team. You played with the Manchester Monarchs, um, and if it looks like you're you're fitting in really well, we can bump you. Like we can talk about it later. And he believed in the organization that had drafted him, and so he signed an AHL deal. Uh, his first year was 2014-15. I believe that was the year that the Monarchs won the Calder Cup. Um, he had six goals, 15 points in uh, 58 games for them. Played a really solid defensive game. And so that next year, he was signed to an entry-level deal. And it was a really big thing for him. And he was super proud of it. And he played in some Kings preseason games. Like he made it to main camp and he looked really good in a playoff game or not a playoff. I'm sorry. A preseason game against the Coyotes who were a disaster. And Daryl Sutter was doing, you know, media it was, it was a preseason game. So it's not like it was a time crunch. It's not like there was a ton of media asking questions. And so I figured it was safe to ask a question about a player who, a big fuss had been made about 
him getting his entry level deal. And I asked something like, you know, Kevin Gravel earned earned his way into an entry level deal with you guys. Uh, looked really good in the preseason game here. Uh, were you impressed with what you saw from him? Um, is there any chance that he could make it to see an NHL game with you guys? Does it look like he's trending to seeing an NHL game with you guys somewhere in the future? And not even like saying he played really well. You think he's going to play this year? Just in the future, do you think he's trending in the right direction? And Daryl Sutter just looked at me and said, you watched him play a game today and turned <laughs> and walked away. Oh, and I was, like, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's, okay. That's, I, I don't enjoy that. And I've heard similar interactions with other people. We've heard the allegations of abuse from the Sutter family yeah. at the junior hockey level. So I have, I have very little patience for his redemption arcs. Every time he quits hockey, goes to work on his fucking farm in the middle of nowhere, and then like gets hired back when everybody forgets like what a terrible person he is. And then he comes back, he wins games, he starts to lose games. And he quits. He quits hockey, goes away, he farms for another couple years, comes back, does the same thing all over again. So like, I have no interest in the redemption story for an 80-year-old white farmer. Like, I don't care. Um, uh, so watching him lose games, like, and accelerating that timeline, I kind of love it. I hope he loses all of his games. <laughs> that's funny. That's, okay, so we hope he loses. The only, the f- first coach and only coach I've ever interviewed was Jack Capuano, who was very nice to me, so. <laughs> who what a still, coach. What he, a coach. <laughs> he, still, uh, he still has the job in the NHL as a, an associate for the Wait. Ottawa Senators, which yes. I think yeah, what? which I think is a good fit for him, actually. I think he does good with, like, young rebuilding teams. Anyway, I, we digress. Um, so we're, we love to see uh, Daryl Sutter lose. Um, Flames look bad. You mentioned, look Mike, you mentioned Mike Smith, though. I'm going to read Mike Smith's... Uh, I'm going to read Mike Smith's goaltending stats right now. I hate this. He's 11-3. With a two point, and this is just basic, you know, goal, goalie stats. I, I don't, I haven't driven into the analytics uh, of how he's actually doing, but even just on a for the basics, his goals against average is two point three four. That's that's good. His save percentage is nine twenty two. Is Mike Smith gonna win the Vesna? No, he's not. I don't even think he's top five, but it would be funny because I think. Uh, uh, no one deserves it less than him. Right? W- right? Would you say that? Less than him, not more than him. Um, no, not not necessarily. Um, my thing is so Mike Smith, not my favorite guy to interview. Right. I, I don't hold it against him. Um but wildly inconsistent. That is my biggest qualm with Mike Smith is when he's playing well, I think he's Vezina caliber. I think he's fantastic when he plays well. And then when he's playing bad, he lets it like goals off his butt. When he plays bad, he's not just kind of bad. He's tragic. And that to me is there has to be like the baseline for a goaltender when you're having a bad night 
should not be below replacement level. Yeah. Like, yeah, everybody has a few bad games here and there. Even, you know, Carey Price, Jonathan Quick, they all have bad games. But when you consistently go through, and I, I think we talked about it earlier, some Edmonton Oilers writers like wrote an entire article based on me saying that. I was like, when Mike Smith is good, he's amazing. And when he's bad, he's tragic. And he will go through both every season. Yeah. And that's, I I watch him putting up a nine, you said what, 922 right now? Yeah. And I just like, I almost kind of wait for the other shoe to drop. And on that note, we'll be right back with you with more Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. Hey, we're back. We just had to take a quick break. Uh, Izzy was making an appearance. So um, anyway, we were talking about Mike Smith and the other shoe dropping with him and him. Uh, what were you saying? He's, he'll go through good stretches. Is, yeah, like, he's a liability. I just... And then just wrapping up the it's it seems like the the Canadian division is going to be it's going to be uh, it's going to be tight. It's really going to be tight coming down to it between the Canadians, Jets, Oilers and Leafs. It looks like um, the Leafs have gone through a really bad stretch lately, and it seems like they, they've kind of squandered away that really big lead they have, which I you know me, I hate to see that for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but, you know, the Oilers are tied with them for first, uh, but they've played two more games. Winnipeg has played the same amount of games and has is two points behind them, and then Montreal has played one less game and is only five points behind them. So it's going to be very tight. It'll be really interesting to see what, like, each team kind of has a need, each four of these teams. Toronto has to make – they, they got to figure out this goal ten, their goaltending situation because Freddie Anderson, he looks cooked and he's hurt, so – and I don't think Jack Campbell is your guy that's going to win you several playoff rounds. How uh, dare you? I, well, for whatever reason, Leafs fans are very bullish on Jack Campbell. I don't think he, maybe he could, maybe I'm wrong and I'll, maybe I'll eat my hat, but I don't, is, is this the guy you want leading down the stretch when then, you know, in a seven game series, I'm not, maybe I'm not so sure about that. So it'll be really interesting to see if they try to make a, a goaltending move here. Um, I think that's, before we move beyond that, just like a, I think that's an interesting point because I've seen a lot of people who are very, very polarized on Jack Campbell. Um, yeah. Because he obviously, I mean, he was a first round draft pick. He was, a, he's a U.S. gold medalist at the World Juniors. Um, but he, he was drafted by Dallas. Um, his goaltending coach in the off season was a goaltending coach with the Dallas Stars and somehow he when he was with the Texas Stars didn't seem to get it together um he had some he had some trouble really catching up to how he should have been playing um reached a point where he ended up dropping all the way to the ECHL he played in the AHL did well played really well in the 2013-14 season played in one NHL game where he faced a but load of shots, but it was his first start. Uh, he faced 41 shots, which, or no, sorry, he faced 47 shots. Um, allowed six goals on it. That happens. Uh, but they didn't bring him back up again. And so the next right. year, they dropped him to the AHL again. Uh, kind of gave him a little bit of trouble. So he dropped to the ECHL. And then 
he did pretty well there. But when he went to the AHL the following year, he didn't even hit a 900 save percentage. Like he really struggled. And so they dropped him to the ECHL for the majority of the season. And it seemed like he really wasn't like he was almost backsliding. And so they traded him to the uh, Los Angeles Kings for it was Nikki Bear, who I, I have no idea who that that's a seventh round draft pick from 2012. Um, he is currently playing in Sweden. Good for him. Um, so when he was treated, he ended up in the AHL with the Ontario Reign. I assumed that was where he was going to stay um, because at the time I thought he wasn't going to be an NHL goalie. He looked like, and not a head case, um, but he looked like mentally he wasn't wasn't taking the steps forward confidence-wise. He was almost backsliding there. And luckily, he ended up with Dusty Amu, um, former goaltending coach for the Ontario Reign, who when I... I talked to him about Jack Campbell that year, and he said that when he talked to him, he said, hey, so uh, let's go out there. Let's let's just mess around on the ice for a bit. I want to see what your game looks like. Uh, how would you categorize your game style so I know where we're starting? And Jack Campbell said, honestly, I, I'm not sure anymore, um, but I'm really good buddies in the offseason. I like to train with Connor Hellebuck. Um, so I guess I've been trying to model my game after him, which for anyone who's watched Connor Hellebuck, like, He's he's not Dominic Ashek, but like it's that sort of situation where like if you're not Connor Hellebuck, you're not going to play his game very well because he's built very uniquely and he's size wise and like agility wise, he's he's unique and trying to play like him isn't gonna isn't gonna do good things for your identity if you're Jack Campbell. And so Dusty Amu had to not just reestablish his foundation, but had to reestablish his mental foundation as as a confident hockey player, but he had the talent level there. And so he spent an entire year in the AHL and the following year he split his time and he put up good numbers in the AHL both years with Dusty. Um, when he played five NHL games in 2017-18, he put up a 924 save percentage. The following year, the Kings were a mess and he still put up a 928 and 31 games for them. Um, the following year, he played 20 games for them before getting traded to Toronto. Obviously the Kings were in like full tank mode by that point. Um, but he, he put up a 900 save percentage for them. He won them eight games, which I'm pretty sure sh- in 20 games, he played 20, won them eight, which for perspective, um, Jonathan quick played over twice as many games and put up just twice as many wins. So he was putting up almost the same performance as an aging Jonathan Quick who should have known better um and he got traded to Toronto by that point he really established his confidence and Toronto is not a good defensive team by any means but they were certainly better than Los Angeles and so I don't think he's going to keep up his current numbers he's 4-0-0 with a one goals (laughs) against average um and a 965 save percentage I don't think he's going to keep that up but I think he's he was he wasn't rushed back, right? Like he was given the chance to truly overhaul his game mentally and physically. Yeah. And I think I, yeah. I think it's worth giving him credit. I don't think he's like I don't think he's Carey Price, but I think it's worth giving him credit. I don't necessarily think they need to bring anyone on board. You don't so you would just ride with Jack Campbell all the way. They have Michael Hutchinson too, and he's been doing all right for them too. He's played six games, he has a nine twenty two save percentage, I think. 
you don't need to split their starts. I think you lean a little more heavily on Jack Campbell, but I think you have enough of a foundation there between those two that at least until Freddie Anderson is back, I don't know why you would, because anyone you bring on at this point is going to have some degree of question mark to them. And I think the performances they're getting from their backup goalies are good enough that you don't necessarily take a step forward by bringing anyone in right like I think you because the only it, people you could bring in are veterans like like Pecorine or God yeah. forbid Jonathan Quick and those are guys who at the moment are not performing at the same level as Campbell and Hutch so that's, I mean, that's my can, opinion on the it. thing with Cam I mean that is it is like you said he's he's played four games he's won all four he's pitched a shutout in two of those games my thing is yeah they 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 certainly I could see them rolling the dice with that and maybe waiting till Anderson has, comes back. But Anderson hasn't played well this year. And it, it seems like, you know, is it the defense or is he just not playing well? Maybe is it a little of both? Like, I don't I don't know how you feel, but I, I don't love that defense in front of their goalie. Uh, no. Certainly. Right. Like I if, I don't know. It's um, but they'll, I think they'll be okay. They, they, they're still the favorite. They'll still be the favorite to come out of that division. But I could see them getting losing in seven games because they got out goaltended by Connor Hellebuck, and then just like someone, a team goes on a crazy sh- shooting percentage. You know what I mean? Like shoot, shoots higher than their normal clip, and then they lose in seven games. So that's definitely possible too. It, it'll be interesting. I, you mentioned Jonathan Quick. His name has been floated out there. I don't know how that works, and I, I just don't see that working. So maybe you do just roll the dice and say, fuck it, let's see what we got with, you know, Jack Campbell. Maybe he's a guy, like you said, he's had a really long journey, uh, and maybe he's a guy at 29, it's it's all coming together for him. And I could think... Be, could be the backstop he needs. I think I, he... And, and obviously, I know some people have... They've tried comparing him to, uh, to Darcy Kemper, who... I think it's a little bit of a different situation because people have said, oh, you know, kind of the same thing. Like Jack Campbell was never really given the chance to to play back, to play as a starter. Uh, neither was Darcy Kemper. I think Darcy Kemper was given a chance to be a starter with Minnesota. He handed that chance right back to them and said, no, I don't really want this um, until he until he got to Arizona. Um, but at the very least, um, I think there's a very good case to be made that he that uh, that Jack Campbell is, if not a, a reclamation project success story, I think at the very least he's the kind of goaltender that you you can ride him for for chunks there. Um, and I think it's I think it's worth seeing where where he could go for them. Um, I don't necessarily think that long-term he's who I would have predicted as their number one but I I also think that he didn't just sort of come out of nowhere per se like there are some guys that they play a really good game and you're like wow uh, good good for them that's that's not gonna hold up um but I do think that I, I think I think he deserves a little a little more credit for it like like Dustin Tokarski that's a name that Sure. How Buffalo is doing right now. Last time yeah. I checked, he'd made, oh, uh, the wheels have fallen off. Uh, last time I checked, he had made something like 30 saves um, in two periods. Um, and he had like a 940 save percentage, but then he allowed 
two more consecutive goals. And so he's faced 34 shots in two periods. So it's not his fault per se, but that's a guy that, you know, if he was doing really well, I'd say mm, maybe that's, maybe that's not going to hold up. Um, but I, I at least have a little bit of faith in, in Jack Campbell. Um, but before we go, I know we, we do need to wrap things up here. Um, yep. I wanted you to, to do a little plug here for, uh, uh, yeah. for your, your pet project, your child here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just figured, um, obviously we have March Madness for basketball and that's been really fun. And, uh, you know, we, we, I certainly missed it. Um, and it's nice that it's back, but we're also getting, uh, March Madness for hockey, for college hockey. And we're getting the Frozen Four tournament starting on Friday. And it's what well, I love. I always do this. I always fill out a bracket for college hockey. Um, and I figured why not do a pool and, you know, invite anyone that wants to join. And uh, it's $20 per bracket. Uh, talk much um twenty dollars per bracket um and half of the pot is going to go to black girls hockey uh excuse me black girl hockey uh, which is a great cause um kat i know you're you, you you're friends with them right you're you've worked with them before talked with them um we've had people on for uh who've been with them and it's just a great organization a great cause and uh we're gonna give half the pot donated to them and then you can keep the other half if you win when i'm gonna win but um <laughs> just kidding and it's free for any of our if this comes out before friday before this tournament starts so i, I may have to get on max's ass a little bit to uh to uh do this when I send it to him to edit the episode when I send it to him, but it's for a really good cause. It's, you know, it gives you a reason to watch all the college hockey games. Uh, and anyone can join. We have, I don't think we have a ton of people so far. We have eight or nine. I made my girlfriend do it. Uh, in fairness, I haven't, I haven't signed up yet. Kat, I'm going to make you sign up. Our producer Max is doing it. Um, for, for our listeners, it's been a, it's been a chaotic, week or so here I literally I stopped by my my in-person job um today for what was supposed to be a five minute drop by so I could um double check something uh and while I was there someone who I uh, a customer that I work with um who's a little finicky um stopped in and saw me and didn't care that I wasn't actually work that today was my day off and I ended up there for about two hours um so I, I promise I will sign up though. I, yes, I, I, will just, I need to. I need to. I need to breathe. I will make. I will make you sign up. So we're waiting on Cat. We have. Um, I, who, I'm in it. Uh, we have Chris Greer from Brews and Bruins, the Brews and Bruins pod, podcast, doing it. We have Michael Hurley from CBS Boston doing it. Uh, I will bully other people to do it. It's for a good cause. It's only it's twenty bucks, and uh, it'll go. It goes a long way. And um, yeah, uh, I think it would be fun to do. Um, and that is my pitch for just DM. You can DM the podcast. You can DM me. Um, it'll be nice having other DMs in the podcast <laughs> other than yes, me we, we have at we midnight have, um, uh, seeing things when I'm on the podcast twitter and sending them to myself yeah we have um pat clark who is a big uh hurricanes guy he joined it and he's he retweeted it so thank you yeah so feel free to join just dm uh me or cat and um yeah and then i guess we will talk to you guys uh 
next week or couple weeks and hopefully we'll you know talk more trade deadline stuff and uh maybe have a guest or two on a different